Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Good to be in God's house. Amen. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here, and I want to welcome you. And of course, I want to take the time to welcome those who are joining us online. And and like I always say, please like, subscribe, and share this message so that the gospel can go out to as as many people as possible. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July. Today, we continue in a series that we've entitled The Gospel According to Marvel in which we've been examining a band of superheroes that kind of t- kick butt, take names. And though fictional, we found that often art can imitate life. That's what we've been saying. In the last week, we met, uh, the last message we called the heart of a hero or, or change talk, we highlighted the billionaire philanthropist Tony Stark, a.k.a. No, also known as Iron Man. That's right. And he had a, he, he had a change of heart. He found that... That, and he found that his greatest strength and his Achilles heel was his heart, which kind of dovetailed nicely into the discussion on the, on the heart of a hero and our biblical champion, David, of which God described as a man after his own heart, a man after his own heart. Oh, oh that God would call us men and women after his heart. Amen? Wouldn't that be our goal? That's what I want. I want God to say, Rick Thompson is a man after his heart. Because he was called that because he had three things that God was looking for. A committed heart, say a committed heart, a compassionate heart, and a contrite heart, of which David penned in Psalms 51, uh, verse 17, the sacrifice of God, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Something David experienced for, firsthand was that he needed every bit of God's grace in his life. He needed every bit of God's grace, but here's a newsflash, so do you and so do I. Amen? We all do. Now, now to turn the corner, the fictional character that I, I want to highlight this morning, if you haven't guessed it, is who? Captain America, affectionately known as the first Avenger. He came on the scene in 1942. Uh, America had, was, uh, uh, had entered into a World War II Originally deemed unfit by military service, as we saw, his name was Steve Rogers. He volunteers for a top-secret research project that turns him into Captain America, a superhero dedicated to defending U.S. ideals. And though he has enhanced physical abilities and an indestructible shield that he uses as a, a weapon itself, his greatest strength, his greatest strength and the reason he was chosen for this project was not the physical strength that he had. It was his what? his courage, and his character. His courage and his character. He's a straight shooter. He's cool to watch, especially in that clip when when even before he gets his physical strength, we see his strength of character. Everybody else scatters. He jumps on the grenade. He's convinced that it's a real grenade, and he jumps on it. Well, the title of this morning's message is The Character of a Hero. The Character of a Hero. And I want to prefer to focus on an original biblical hero named Joseph. He's a real live man of character, particularly as it relates to his dealings with Potiphar, the guy behind him, and what his character shows us. His story could be found in Genesis 37. Genesis 37 through 50, you can read all of it when you get a chance. It's a really great read. 
but 37 is where we're going to be going today. And, and because it chronicles how he rose from obscurity to, through the ranks of, to, to second in command of all of Egypt. He went from nothing to somebody in all of Egypt. The greatest world power at the time and, and how God used him in that capacity to rescue his people. But before he ended up in the White House, he, was, he, was, he spent some time in the outhouse. Come on, somebody. Anybody familiar with Joseph's story? One of 12 sons uh, of Jacob. Joseph, was, uh, Joseph was, his, was his favorite, which left him having to deal with jealousy and hatred of his own brothers. Now, how many of you know that it's not a good idea to show favoritism among siblings? It, it only causes problems. Uh, it happens all the time, but once they figure out that there's a favorite, it causes problems for the one who's the favorite. Don't raise your hand if you were the favorite. Right? I, I, I wasn't the favorite. I, I, my mom is in the room. I, I am now, but I wasn't then. <laughs> well, his brothers didn't like the fact that he was the favorite, and so they threw him into a pit one day, and most of them wanted to kill him. He had this dream of them bowing down to him one day, and they didn't like that, including his, his, the father and the mother. And they said, you know, we're tired of your, your silly little dreams. And so they wanted to get rid of him, and they decided to sell him into, instead into slavery to a passing caravan, and he ended up in the house of Potiphar, an Egyptian official. And, and as he was smart, he was a smart man, and he was a courageous man, a man of principle, a man of character. It wasn't long before Potiphar entrusted him with the running of his entire home, and he worried about nothing. We're going to see that in the passage but it wouldn't be long before his character would be tested. And now we're going to go through this life, and you and I are going to go through character tests all through this life. There's going to be opportunities to do the right thing and do the wrong thing, always coming before us. And so I want you to pay attention to the lesson that's going on today. Everyone should have an outline. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Let's get one to you. But in Genesis chapter 39, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard bought him from the Israelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his, of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of, of, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of, Egypt, of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Why? Someone said because of Joseph. So verse 6. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though, he, and though she spoke to him, verse 10, spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to go with her. Now listen to me, folks. Can we take a lesson from Joseph in dealing with multiple temptations in our lives? 
Sometimes we can feel like the temptations of life are right in front of us, whether it's women, which was his case, or, or men, or, or money, or wine, or drugs in, in many cases. Somebody, one of the athletes are dealing with a drug issue right now, the fastest running athlete in the world, or in America anyway, and now, because she tested positive for marijuana, she's having to forfeit her role. So these temptations come to us all the time. And there are practical things all of us need to know about temptations and that we can and should do when facing these struggles, especially especially if we want the blessing of the Lord to be on our, on our lives. Anybody want that? I know I do. I want, I want everything that I touch to be blessed. <laughs> Amen. I want the blessing of the Lord to, to remain in my life and in my household. And so when facing temptation, these are, there's a couple of things that we ought to know. Number one, write this down. Don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brethren. Help me out, somebody. When, what does it say? When you fall into various temptations. Does it say When? Does it say if? It says when. And so it's telling us that temptation is coming your way. Turn to somebody and say, it's coming your way. If it's coming your way. It's not an if, it's a when. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is, what's the word it's using? Common to men. That means it, it's normal, right? It's common to man. And then Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, what has been will, what has been will be again, and has been done, what has been done will be done again. Help me with this part. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. So we've heard that it's not an if, it's a when, that it's common, and that there's nothing new under the sun. So your temptation isn't new. It might be new to you, but it's not new under the sun. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The devil uses the same tactics over the, same, over the last millennium, whatever, how long it's been, over the years that, that he's been using from the very beginning. And we talked about this two weeks ago, whether it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is probably going to fall into those things. So don't think it's strange, the Bible says, when temptation comes your way. Now, what that says, when you're facing temptation, the, the Bible also makes it clear, don't think it's God tempting you. Write that down. It's not God tempting you. James 1.13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, this is what a lot of people say when they come under these things. Why is God doing this to me? Why is God putting me through this? And we're always willing to lay whatever's bad at God's feet, as if it's God doing this and trying to, trying to mess you up. The Bible makes it very clear that God doesn't tempt anyone at any time to do evil. Amen? Never. Never has and never will. Now, having said that, Ultimately, blaming the devil won't help you either. Write that down. Blaming the devil won't help you either. The devil made me do it. Isn't that what Eve said? Adam blamed God and Eve, his wife, and, and, and Eve blamed the devil. 
<laughs> the devil, it was his fault that I did it. And did that work for her? It's not going to work for you either. It's not going to work for me either. That, that's not what the Word of God says. At the end of the day, the devil made me do it. It's not going to wash, particularly since through Christ, God has destroyed, the Bible says, the work of the devil and offers freedom to all who will come and submit. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that the devil isn't busy or involved, but he can't make you do it. He can't make you do it. Ultimately, Christ came to set us free, and if you choose not to walk out of the prison of sin, that's on, that's, that's on you. James tells us ultimately who is to blame, and this might shock every single one of us when we fall into temptation. James 1.14 through 16 says, but each one is tempted when by, help me somebody, <laughs> what? His own evil desires? His own evil desires? His own evil desires, he's dragged away and enticed. And after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. What doesn't he want us to be deceived by? Where, to, where temptation ultimately comes from and, and takes root in our lives and our hearts. It starts, the Bible says, again, with your desires. You're kind of, the enemy might put it in front of you. But you have to latch on to this thing. You let it ruminate in your mind and in your heart. You play with it for a little while. And while, and while you're playing with it, eventually the Bible says something starts to grow within you and you act out. And you end up sinning. Now it gives birth to sin. And when you act out the first time, that's one thing. Now you got a little baby sin going on. But the more you keep feeding it, that thing grows up. And, be, and before you know it, instead of you controlling it, it's controlling you. That's how addictions start. The first time may be, may be easy, but after a while of continuing to do it, that thing starts to grow, and now you don't have a monkey on your back. you got a gorilla controlling you. So I'm talking to somebody out there. But it all starts with your desires. It starts with your letting it hang around just a little bit too long. And then it says when, when sin grows up, it gives birth to death. Now, someone might say, well, nothing has died. No, something has died. Your reputation has died. Your witness is, has died, is dying. Your relationship with the Lord is suffering. Something in your marriage is, is, is going on because you've allowed this thing to, to go from desire to sin to something full grown in your life. Something is dying. That's the, that's the death process. So the question this morning is what should we do to tackle that temptation in our lives? And just like Captain America had this shield that protected him in battle, remember that shield, that, that nearly indestructible shield? And he wouldn't even think about going into battle without a shield. We should not even think about going into battle without the shields that God has given to us or made available to us at our disposal. And there are several of them. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it mentions one. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of, help me somebody, the shield of faith which, with, with which you can extinguish some of the flaming arrows of the evil one. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. I'm just seeing if you're actually listening to what I'm saying. Does it say some? It says, with the shield of faith, you have the ability to extinguish all 
of the, of the enemy's missiles coming your way. In other words, he tells us, in addition to all the armor of God, to take up that shield of faith. What are you going through today? Put up the shield of faith. What is that discouraging you? What is that hammering at you? You have the ability to take up the shield of faith, and when the enemy's throwing darts at you of discouragement, of despair, of anxiety, of, of all sorts of things, you have the ability to knock it off and, and, and not allow that thing to take plant in your head or in your heart. Take up the shield of faith. Joseph had another shield. He, he used the shield of the word of God. This, Psalms 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. That's why it's important to get into God's word. That's why it's important to know what it says. He says, I've not just become a casual listener of his word where it goes in one ear and out the other. Come on, somebody. I've done something with his word. I've taken it and I've hidden it in my heart. And the reason I've hidden it in my heart is so that I would not sin against you. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not do these things so that I might not sin against you. Amen? That's a shield that God has given us, the shield of his word. I want you to write this down. So, so what did he do? He, had, he read and obeyed God's word. Were many guys in Joseph's situation would have rationalized and justified the situation? Come on, somebody. You know what we're talking about. She is the boss lady. The man of the house ain't home. She ain't half bad looking. What could it hurt? Uh, you understand what I'm saying? That's not what Joseph did. That's not what Joseph said. This is what Joseph said. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He hid his word in his heart. The word not only shielded him, but it helped him shape his character. Proverbs 2.7 says he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield. He's a shield. He's a shield to those who will walk in integrity. Is that you today? Does anybody want the blessings of the Lord in their lives and in their house? Come on, somebody. His word is a shield for those of us who will choose to walk in integrity. Now, what did Joseph do right? He read and obeyed his word, but second thing he did was he walked, write this down, warily. W-A-R-I-L-Y, not W-E-A-R-I-L-Y, warily, like tiredly. Too many people walking around tired, tired in their faith. Not walking around in, 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 in the way that they should. He walked warily. Warily means cautiously, circumspectfully, carefully. In Genesis 39.10, it says she kept putting pressure on him day after day. It wasn't a one-time temptation. It was a continual thing, a barrage that kept coming his way. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as was possible. What's he doing? He's being cautious. He's trying to avoid a bad situation. My question to you today and those who are listening online, are you being cautious? Are you trying to avoid a bad situation with your friends or, 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 or the thing going on at your work? Or, or are you walking right into it? I heard a little story, a metaphor, uh, uh, a little uh, uh, parable a few years ago that, that's so appropriate. It says, a man walks on the road, doesn't see a ditch, falls in, struggles to get out. Next day, man walks down that same road, sees the same ditch, and still falls in. 
struggles to get out. Next day, man walks down the same road, sees the ditch, tries to skirt the ditch, but still falls in, struggles to get out. On the fourth day, the man takes another road, avoids the ditch entirely, and doesn't have to struggle to get out. Can I get an amen on that? Folks, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's the sin that, keep, that you keep falling into? What's the problem that you keep skirting the issue, hoping that you don't fall into, but you're so close to the edge that you keep stumbling into it? What is that thing? You know you've crossed some lines with some friends, but you don't understand why you keep falling into it. And you know, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. I can handle it. I can handle it. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful you don't fall. The message says it this way. Don't be so naive and self-confident that you're not, you're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. And so we're called they, they, they took up the shield of reading God's word and the shield of walking warily. Let me give you a third one. Take the way out when offered. Take the way out when offered. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is, help me somebody. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Turn to someone and say, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. And what does that way out look like? That way out could be, write this down, sometimes it comes by way of advice. By way of advice. Proverbs 19.20, get all the advice and instructions you can. Why? So that you will be wise the rest of your life. There's some, some people who just won't listen to advice. They won't listen. It's like the story of David and Abigail in 1 Samuel chapter 25 where, where David was hell-bent on doing something bad to Abigail's husband at the time. His name was Nabal, which meant fool, who totally dissed David and his men who were protecting him, and when they needed something, they said he told them to get out of here. And David got so angry that he was going to come and, and really kill the man. And Abigail caught wind of it and came out and talked reason to him. Sometimes it comes in by way of advice, and David listened and didn't do what was in his heart to do, and God took care of foolish Nabal, didn't he? You remember the story? When you get a, when you get a chance... Read it. But sometimes God will use unusual circumstances. He did it for a foolish Balaam in the Bible in Numbers chapter 22, where the prophet was, was, was asked to, to curse God's people, and God said, don't do it. The word of the Lord said, don't do it. But he had enough money. They bribed him with enough money that he was going to go do it. And so he got on his donkey to go do it. And every time the donkey kept veering off to the left and veering off to the right, and he kept kicking the donkey, and at one point the donkey just sat down and wouldn't move 
because the path in front of him was so narrow. And what Balaam didn't see was God had sent an angel of the Lord with a big old, big old sword that was about to take off his head. And so he's kicking the donkey, get up, get up, why aren't you listening? And the donkey turned around and spoke to him. Why are you kicking me? Have I ever disobeyed you? Come on, somebody. (laughs) And he had this conversation with the donkey. And sometimes God, you know, we will beat a dead donkey. and We will beat a donkey to death when the situation doesn't work out the way we want to. Because, But sometimes it's God saying, I don't want you to go down that path. Come on, somebody. But we'll kick that thing and kick that thing until the, until the situation starts to speak to us if we're listening. If we're listening. Sometimes God will use unusual circumstances. But thirdly, sometimes it's just good old foot power. Back to Joseph, Genesis chapter 39, verse 11 and 12. It says, one day he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were, was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But what did he do? He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't say, oh, shucks, I'm caught. Oh, well, God will forgive me. What did he do? He took off like a bat out of hell. (laughs) He got out of that situation. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says this, run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. 2 Timothy 2.22 says it again. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. So we're supposed to run from something and pursue something good. 1 Timothy 6.10, for, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows, but you, Timothy, belong to God, so run from all these evil things and follow what is right and good, pursue a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Folks, believe it or not, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do in a situation, in a temptation situation, is to put on your spiritual running shoes and take off. Get out of that situation. Again, don't, don't play with it. Don't placate it with it. Run from it. Run from it. My, my question to you today is, regarding temptations in your life, are, are you taking the way out? Sometimes you just need to get up and get out. When I was younger... And we were invited to a party back in the day. <laughs> I didn't know it was, a, it was one of those parties. One, we, me and my friends went to the thing. We were teenagers. We sat down. Everyone's having a good time. This young lady comes and sits on my lap. She turns to me. She says, uh, Ricky, do you have any paper? And, and I was like, oh, no, I was naive. I was like, there's paper right there. And I pointed to a napkin right there. <laughs> And she started laughing, no, 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 do you have any rolling paper? I'm like, rolling paper? And I looked at my friends, and we looked at each other and said, oh, my goodness, there's drugs here at the party. Now, back in the day, they weren't as lenient with drugs as they are today. And so at that moment, we looked at each other, and we said, "Uh, it's time to go. And that's how quickly we got out of there. 
because we did not want to get busted in any type of raid. We didn't want to get caught up in any type of foolishness. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to get your feet up, put your shoes on, and walk out. My question to you today is regarding the temptations in your life and the way out that he promises, do you have your shields up? Who's the voice of Abigail in your life? The voice of reason. Could it be your mom's voice telling you that's not a good decision to make? Or your dad? Or your wife? Or your husband? Could it be the pastor's message on Sunday who God is speaking to you? And, and only you know what you're going through. You and God knows what you're going through. That, 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 that situation that's, that's, that has been plaguing you day and night like it was with Joseph where this woman was hounding, her, hounding him daily. What, who is the voice of reason saying, do not go down that path? Are you listening? What's the donkey that God has put in your life that seemingly stopped working for you? I mean, it was working, but all of a sudden it stopped, and you keep beating it, insisting on a path in a direction that is not good, nor is it God. In fact, it may be the opposite of what God is trying to do in your life. But you keep insisting, and, and in the end, I'm telling you, it, it's going to hurt you. That donkey said, look, right up there in that road is, a, is the angel of the Lord. And if I proceeded, off would have been your head. There are situations that God says no to and that he will speak unusually through that situation. And it's not for us to kick the donkey and to continue to proceed down that road. It's for us to say, okay, Lord, let me back off and choose to do it your way. And what is it that God is saying to you that the most spiritual thing I'm asking you to do this day is to use the God's word as a shield to help you shape your character and just run away. Joseph, like the fictional character, Captain America, had, had that shield of, of, of faith. He had that shield that he used when, he, when, it, when it came to reading God's word and obeying it. He, he hid God's word in his heart so that he would not sin against him. He walked warily and cautiously in life and when it came time, he took the way out, even when things got difficult. My question to you today is, are you doing the same thing? Are you doing the same thing? And if we're not, we need to get to that place where we're asking God to please help me, Lord. Help me to walk circumspectly. Help me to, to read and, and spend more time in your word so that I might not sin against you. Help me to walk warily and circumspectly. And Lord, every time that temptation comes, you said that you're promising a way out. Help me to discern that way out, not make excuses, not make, uh, uh, you know, uh, that we're just going to placate it and play with it. But Lord, let me step back and say, okay, which is the way out? Let me put on my spiritual running shoes and take that way out. Now, what if you're here today on the sound of my voice and you know, Pastor Rick, I've, I've blown it. I've blown it more than once. I've blown it many times. This is not the message that I'm sending to you to bring condemnation. My Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, I may have walked foolishly in my past, but I'm hoping that I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. I want the blessings of the Lord on my life. 
I want the blessings. And, and, and in Joseph's case, it may not have seemed that there was a blessing on his life because every time he did the right thing, it seemed like he kept ending up in a worse place. But eventually, he went from the outhouse to the White House because he kept saying, doing the right thing before the Lord. Amen? And God's promises are, are yes and amen, and, his, and he will do this. What he did for them, he, he will do for us as well if we will continue on the path that he's called us to and to walk with integrity in these areas of our lives. Not be duplicitous. Duplicitous means double life. He's saying one thing and doing another thing. What's that area of duplicity, of lack of integrity that God is saying, today, let's put that to an end. And the good news is my scripture says that, the Bible says, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to do what? Beat me over the head? No, no, to forgive me, <laughs> to forgive me. So if you get real with God, he gets real with you. He says, you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He will run toward you like the prodigal son's father ran toward him when he came to his senses and decided to come home. And when he met up with him, he didn't beat him over the head. He, 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 he killed a fatted calf. He put a robe on him and a ring on his finger. And he said, my son who was lost is not found. He's come home. God is calling you home. And the safest place to be at any given time is in the presence of your father, who's not out to beat us up, but to lift us up. If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. As we come to a close today, is that you? Have you accepted Christ? And, and in accepting Christ, have you surrendered your life completely over to him? Maybe that's Maybe you haven't done it. If you haven't done it, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Or maybe you're here today and you have done it, but you know in your heart that there are areas of compromise that you've been messing with that God has spoken to you today to say, okay, I want you to stop that. I want you to repent of living a duplicitous life. I want you to, be a, uh, I want you to have a heart. I want you to be a man of, 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 of character the character of a hero. And I want to start seeing these things exemplified in your life as well with his help. We can't do it by ourselves, but with the Holy Spirit, we can. We can do all things through Christ that gives us strength. Amen? So I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And if God is speaking to you today, either, either the first one, never have accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, or having accepted him, having to repent or or recommit your life to him. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear my voice, it says, don't harden your heart. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge first that I am a sinner and I, and I need a Savior. And I'm, I'm thankful and I'm grateful for the fact that Jesus came to die and, and three days later to rise from the dead for my sins and declare righteousness over me. I repent of my sins. I put my trust completely in him for the salvation of my soul. And, and Lord, I repent if, of those areas in my life that I'm still struggling with, with duplicity. Help me to be a man of character, a hero of character. Help me to walk out, uh, take up the, the shield of faith and, and to take up the tools of your word to, to fight against the, the temptations of this life. 
help, help, it, help me not to have to give birth in these areas and where I have. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Father, give me back the ability to have self-control in these areas. I turn these things over to you and I ask for complete healing and deliverance from these things, whatever they are. And say it to him. He, you made an altar in your heart right now. Just, just say it to him. I don't have to hear it. God, God hears you. And he's the one that cleanses you. And so, Father, you heard the heart cry of your children. Fill them with your spirit, with your power, with your love. Help them to be the men and women of God you call them to be for such a time as now. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.